This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We are glad you're here today to help us kick off uh, Advent. This year we're exploring Isaiah 9-6 and what it it talks about the arrival of Jesus, how hope is born. And so what we're going to look at over the next four weeks and conclude with our Christmas Eve services is this idea that because hope was born, hope is born. And we have hope in every situation because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So um, I'm excited today uh, to have one of my friends, uh, a longtime friend named Caleb Cole. He's going to come and kick off this series for us. Caleb and his wife, Chrissy, are from Sacramento, California. Uh, Almost five years ago, they planted Project Church in downtown Sacramento to reach people no one else was reaching. God has blessed them over the past five years. They've added a a second campus on the west side of Sacramento and are just seeing uh, hundreds of people experience the power of God uh, who have previously been away or disconnected from the church. It's really a great story. Caleb and I went to college together. We played basketball together. We went to seminary together. Um, ladies, if you came to the Christmas brunch yesterday, you got to hear from Chrissy, Caleb's wife. Uh, so it was fun for me to bring him in this morning and introduce him to a few uh, ladies. And they're like, oh, you're Chrissy's husband. Um, so uh, it's always, always fun to, you know, your old friends, just to help them remember their place in life. So it's my privilege today to introduce to you uh, Chrissy Cole's husband, Caleb. Good morning. Great to see you all. So it's a real honor to be here. Um, I'm used to being introduced as Chrissy's husband, so this is nothing new, but thank you, Chris, for that. That's what friends are for, right? But uh, Chris and I, we, do, we go way back, man. We, were, we play college basketball together. We just like to remind ourselves of that regularly. And uh, actually, I have to say, uh, we ended up going to seminary, the same seminary together as well, And I do believe that I don't think I would have graduated from seminary if it wasn't for Chris. And so Chris was always the mature one. He got married young. Um, He had everything, um, man, just in a row. He knew when assignments were due, and he would constantly be reminding me, hey, Caleb, you know we have a test today or tomorrow. And so thank you, Chris, for helping me get through seminary. Um, You know, I I, I used to say all the time, like, D means diploma. That was my goal, right? So... I made it. My church doesn't know that. I just confessed it today, though. Don't tell your kids that. Kids, don't listen to what I just said, all right? But hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, we are looking at Isaiah chapter 9. I am blessed to be able to kick off this series today. Hope is born with you and be here in Tulsa. My wife and I uh, actually both went to college in Springfield, Missouri, And so we would fly, I would fly into Tulsa from time to time, so I'm no stranger to this city. Uh, But I am am from Sacramento, California. I grew up there, ended up at college in the Midwest, and that is where I met my wife, so that was a blessing. And then now we live back on the West Coast. I like to say it's the best coast, all right, Um, in in California, Sacramento. And it's been amazing to see what God can do when you step out in obedience. And I'm going to tell a little bit about our story later of, of planting a church uh, a life-giving church. But I want to real quick, my wife, stand up, Chrissy. Ladies, you met her yesterday, but Chrissy, say hello. This is my Filipino beauty. Um, she makes me look good, and I'm blessed. But I wanted you guys to see our family. We have three children, and so there they are. Canaan uh, is our oldest. He's six, just turned six. And then Kai is four. And then we have a little girl, Charlie, who is two years old. And so uh, as you can see, um, we have a blessed family. I'm actually wearing the same exact thing there that I'm wearing today. So hey, why not? I'm all about synergy, okay? Consistency. This is my uniform, apparently. But uh, we have to look at the context to understand the text that we're going to be looking at today. So let me read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, For to us a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord, thanks so much for this opportunity to be together. Lord, for bringing me here, my wife and I here, and to be able to be with old friends and soon-to-be new friends. Lord, I pray that you would Bless this word that you've given me to share today. May you give me the clarity and the strength to share what it is you want me to share. And may our hearts 
and our ears be open to receive what it is you want us to receive. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So Isaiah tells us the story, and uh, this is actually a story of two babies. And uh, we have to go back. This is 800 years before Jesus is born, uh, when this prophecy is given about a coming Savior. And so it's the story of two babies because God spoke to Isaiah, who was the prophet that God would speak to, to speak to the people. And he said, Isaiah, I want you to do something. I want you to take a pen and a scroll, and I want you to pen these words. So in the Hebrew, these words were mahal, shalal, hash, baz. So he says, I want you to pen these words on a scroll. Maher shalal hash baz. He has him write these down. Now in their language, what it meant was quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. So what happens is Isaiah and his wife, they have a child. And God tells him after he's written these words down, he doesn't know why he's written these words down. He just knows that he's supposed to write these words down on a scroll. So he writes them, he pens them. And then God speaks to him and says, I want you to name your son this. I want you to name your child Maher Shalal Hashbaz, which means quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. So some of you think your names are bad, all right? I mean, can you imagine the awkwardness of this mother calling out to her son, Hey, quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil, come in for dinner. And, and the, the strangeness and the oddness of naming your child this, but this is what God asks Isaiah to do, to name his child this. And the reason he has him name, this, name his child this is because it's a prophecy. And he tells Isaiah, he says, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to oppress you and your people. They're going to oppress my people, the Egyptian or the Israelites. They're going to come in, these Assyrians, and they're going to attack and they're going to plunder. And they're going to take spoil from you. And you are going to be oppressed. And so he prophesies this to Isaiah. Isaiah pens this, names his son this, and then it comes to pass. And so this is the environment. This is the context of what the people of Israel are experiencing when then God follows that up. And he gives this word to Isaiah. He has him penned down. He says, now write this about the second baby that is to come. This child that is to come. And we just read it. This child that is to come, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this is a period of history where the Israelites are experiencing a tumultuous situation of being oppressed, of being attacked, of being plundered. And then God gives them a promise. He gives them a hope. And he says, there is a savior coming that's gonna come and he's gonna save you and save my people. And so I know that it's hard for us to relate to this because, man, we're not being plundered. We're not, um, you know, having people attack us. We're not experiencing that in our culture. So we read this text and we share this at Christmas time and we say, oh, he's he's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. And it it feels so nice and, and sweet, but we don't understand what these people were experiencing and what this meant for them. And while we don't understand the the context or the experience of being plundered, of being attacked by another nation, I do think that every one of us in here can understand what it means to be stressed. We understand what it means to have anxiety. We understand even what it means to walk around in fear. In fact, this is the time of year when we're supposed to have joy, right? I mean, we sung a Christmas song this morning. Wasn't that so nice? And, uh, and, and we see the Christmas trees. You guys decorated this place so amazing. Well done to the team that did that. Incredible. I walked in and I was impressed. And so we, we have this Christmas season and, and it feels so nice. And we say these words, but yet it says, and we know that according to what studies say is that this is the time of year when people are the most unhappy. They're the most depressed. They're the most discouraged. They're the most anxiety-ridden. They're the most stressed. In fact, there are more suicides at this time of year than any other time of year. And so I think while we can't 
entirely relate to what the Israelites were experiencing. We can relate in a lot of ways because we are a people that are oppressed. It's just in a different way. We are a people that are attacked. It's just in a different way. We are a people that sometimes we feel like we're being plundered, but it's our souls and our spirits and our joy that are being plundered. And so today I have the opportunity to share with you from this passage, kicking off this series of Hope is Born um, with the first of the four names. So we're going to cover these four names over the next four weeks of this Christmas season. Chris is going to bring the word coming up. But today I have the opportunity to talk to you about the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor. And so today I I titled my message, Lead the Way. Everybody say, Lead the Way. I titled my message, Lead the Way, because we need to be a people that are led. You see, a lot of people today, they're trying to lead themselves. They're allowing culture to lead them. They're allowing people to lead them. But we need to be led by the wonderful counselor, and his name is Jesus. So I want to ask you a question today. Are you willing and are you letting Jesus lead your way? Are you willing and you are, allow, are you allowing the Savior, Jesus Christ, to lead your way? You see, with Jesus leading your way, nothing will distract your way. But I look around today's culture and I see a lot of people that are distracted. Their path is distracted. Their way is distracted. You may be in this room today and feel like your path, your purpose has been distracted. And so I wanted to remind us and I want to encourage us once again today that we would allow Jesus to lead our way so that our purpose, our destiny, our path is no longer distracted. A.W. Tozer said this, we can know the right words, yet never be changed. This is the difference between information and transformation. How many know there's a difference between information and transformation? A lot of us know the information. Like, we understand the information. Many of us who grew up in the church or we've been coming to church for, for many years, we have the information. But the information does not always lead to transformation. You see, there's something that elicits and brings that transformation, and it's getting to know and inviting the Spirit of God into your life. You see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor in the personhood of Jesus Christ will bring the transformation that we need to live the lives and the purpose that God has called us to live. But many of us are are distracted. We're distracted by what the world would tell us we should be doing, by what people should be should, or would tell us we should be doing. So today I wanted to give you, because here's what I believe, in order to let God lead your way, in order to let Jesus lead your way, you have to understand how the wonderful counselor, how Jesus leads. And I think often we get concerned or, or we get confused about how Jesus actually leads our lives. And so I have four D's for you, the four ways that the wonderful counselor Jesus will lead your way. Four ways the wonderful counselor will lead your way. Now, I wanted to real quick lay out this idea of these two words of wonderful and counselor, because I think we need to look at the original language and understand, like, what does this mean? When, when Isaiah and God gave Isaiah this name for Jesus, this first name of, man, a wonderful counselor, it's easy to say that, and we understand it from our context, but understanding it from their context will help us. And so we look at this, and we look at this idea of wonderful. And so in the original language, wonderful, it's unique. It's unique in the Hebrew language. It's a word that was usually applied to something that could have only been done by an act of God. Like this idea of wonderful was only possible by God himself doing it, God himself breathing it, God himself moving upon it. It was something that was so unusual that it would have been seen as beyond human capabilities. It's something that astonishes. Have you ever seen something that is so astounding and so astonishing that you can't even put it into human words or human language? I mean, I've been to the Grand Canyon. Anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, a few of you, a lot of you, wow. Y'all travel, well done. Okay, so I've been to the Grand Canyon and the first time I went, it was just a few years back with my wife, I stood in front of the Grand Canyon, 
And it was so massive and so large, like my brain almost couldn't process what I was seeing and experiencing. Like I've never seen the, something to that scale, something so grand. And when people ask me like, what was it like? I, I couldn't describe it because until you're there and you see it with your own eyes, and I've seen pictures, pictures don't do it justice. Until you're there in person, you understand the, the, the vastness and the largeness. I mean, I looked at it, I said, this is only something that could have been done by God. I mean, I was astonished when I stood there and I looked I, and I couldn't describe it. And this is the idea of wonderful. Like that's how powerful and huge. It's something that was only, could only have been done by God. And then the second part of this is this word counselor, which we think of a counselor as like, okay, I'm going to lay on a couch and they're going to listen to me, right? They're going to listen to me talk about my feelings. Like that's what we think when we think about counselor. But this, I, or, or maybe in a, in, in a court of law, like counselor, um, that's, what we, that's what we think about. And yet here in this language, it has the context of all knowledge of the past, present, and future things, of all purposes and plans. This idea that there's a God that even knows what is deep down in your heart. And so this is this idea of a wonderful counselor. Do you understand the power of that? That there's someone that we know came from God that we can't even describe with our human words. And yet it's someone that knows our past, knows our present, and knows our future. It's someone that wants the best for us. It's someone that has a purpose and a plan for our lives. That's the wonderful counselor that we're talking about today. So let's jump in here and let's look at four ways the wonderful counselor leads our way. You with me today? All right, let's go. Number one is decree. Everybody say decree. So this one is unique compared to the other three because this is the only one where we are somewhat unconsciously led. And I hope that makes sense and that we're, we're somewhat unconsciously led while the other three that I'm going to get to here in a moment are we're conscious of what is happening. And what I mean by that is that God designs and he sovereignly decrees circumstances so we end up where he wants us to be, but it may not always be where we want to be. How many of you know God often puts us places that we don't understand, that we may not even want to be because he has a plan and we're exactly where we should be. The hard thing is that we see things through our eyes, through our lens, and we see things in the present. We don't see the big picture. We see what's happening right now, right here in this moment. And yet we have a God, a counselor that sees the past, the present, and the future. And he's setting us up and he's placing us exactly where he wants us because he knows what's coming. He knows what's best for our lives. So, for example, Paul and Silas, they find themselves in jail. And in this jail, I'm sure in this moment, they weren't feeling really encouraged. They're going, God, like we have things to be doing. We're supposed to be out here ministering the gospel. We're supposed to be out leading people to you, talking to people about you. And here we are in jail stuck. But we see the end result of this, that the jailer ends up meeting and finding Jesus, right? Their shackles are loosed. Um, the, the gates of, of their cells swing wide open, and yet none of the prisoners leave. They stay, and he comes, and he falls down at their feet. And he says, what must I do to be saved? to meet this God that you know about. And then they go and they lead his whole family to Jesus Christ. You see, in this moment, I'm sure Paul and Silas were like, God, don't you have better things for us to be doing? But they didn't understand that God was setting them up for an ordained appointment to lead someone to meet him. In fact, Jesus, most of his ministry was done out of interruption. He would be traveling someplace and he'd be interrupted, but he was willing to stop. The interruptions weren't interruptions to him. They were opportunities. And so I want you to hear me because I think that God often leads us to places. We don't know why we're there. We don't understand why we're there. It doesn't seem like it makes sense. But understand that the wonderful counselor is going to decree for you to be places because he sees the big picture. And he's setting you up for something greater than you could even imagine for yourself. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us. 
that his plans are greater for us than even our own plans. He wants to do more for us than we could ask, think, or imagine. That's the God that we serve. That's the wonderful counselor. We got to let him lead our way. I don't know about you, but I like to lead my own way. I I mean, I'm just being honest. Maybe y'all are more spiritual than me. But I like to lead. I like to be in charge. I like to know where I'm going. So um, my wife and I, we actually lived on the East Coast for five years. We're youth and young adult pastors. And then we felt called to plant a church on the West Coast. So six years ago, we moved back to Sacramento. In moving back, my grandfather called us on the way back, and he said, "Um, hey, would you come and join me at, at my church? He was leading a a very old church. The average age, I would say, was around 72 years old. And he said, we need to get younger. We need to to grow with a younger demographic, and I would love for you to come. And and he said these two words that made sense. He said, I want you to plant a church in a church. I want you to start like a contemporary, something contemporary relevant, and and help us get younger. And so my grandfather, who was my hero, who was um, my idol in a lot of ways, um, someone that I looked up to, I said, all right, we'll do it. My wife and I felt like God was saying, do it. So we went. Well, then after a little bit of time there, my grandfather started saying, hey, why don't we transition this church to you? Why don't we make this, this transition? And he said, let's do it over three years. I said, you know what? That sounds like a great plan. Um, sounds like a great plan. And so we begin this process of us becoming the pastors, taking over from him, but it was gonna be a three-year process. Well, a year and a half, into the process, my grandfather had a heart attack in the parking lot of our church and died. I literally came down from my office and saw them pulling him out of the car. I knew right when I saw him that he was, he was gone. He was 78 years old. It was a shock to all of us because he was so healthy and vibrant, but God's plans are different than our plans. Well, this, again, the process where we have a church that is still very old in terms of age, and they were some on our side wanting us to take over. Others were saying we weren't ready. At the time, I'm 30 years old. And and this process is happening. And my wife and I are there. And we're going, okay, God, we don't know what you want, but we'll wait and we'll be patient. And I gotta be honest, it got really unhealthy. And it turned really ugly quickly. And there was infighting in the church and unhealth in the church and unhealth in the leadership. And there was this power grab, right? By, By different individuals. And so finally, the Lord spoke to us through uh, the interim pastor they brought in who was just going to be there for a few months. And he said, Caleb, I think that you guys should leave. I think you should resign. I don't think this is healthy for you. Um, Not all churches do it well like you. And uh, I'm talking about you here. And so I had this moment where I felt like God was releasing us and he was speaking through someone who I'd put myself underneath in this interim pastor. And so I said, okay. And we wrote up our resignation and submitted it to the church and they blessed us as we left and we blessed them as we left. And I'll tell you, it was very painful. It was a really even hurtful season. There were some hurtful things said to my wife, some hurtful things said to me um, in this whole process. And we were just trying to do like, what, 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 what does God want? We want to follow him. But it was in that moment and through that process that God said, now I want you to plant a life-giving church in the heart of the city in downtown Sacramento where there hadn't been a new church in 10 years. I want you to plant it in the heart of, this, of the city. And so we begin that process of planting. And I'll tell you right now, if we had not gone through everything we went through there, in fact, if some of those board members hadn't not wanted us there, we never would have done what God really wanted us to do. You see, God's decrees, we don't always understand. They don't always make sense. And I can stand up here in front of you today and say, now, five years later, we have a church that's running almost 600 people between two campuses where we've seen, we've baptized over 300 people in the span of almost six years. And God is moving in downtown Sacramento. None of that would have happened if we hadn't have gone through what we went through. So what you're going through now, what's painful now, God may actually be setting you up for something greater in the future. He's prepared. If I hadn't been prepared, if I hadn't gone through what I went through, I don't think I would have been ready to do what God was calling me to do. And so sometimes we're asking God and we're crying out to God and we're saying, God, like, show up. 
God, show up. Why aren't you doing something? Like, there were times I'm in at this last church, um, this older church, sitting there saying, God, show up. You need to show these people what's right. You need to tell them that I should be here, that I'm the man for this. I'm asking for God to show up. And what God is saying to me is, Caleb, I'm just trying to help you grow up. We're asking for God to show up, and he's often waiting for us and moving in us to help us grow up. And he grew me up to be ready to do what he really, and what the next step was in our plan and in in his purpose for our life. It's God's decrees. We don't always see the big picture, but he will orchestrate and move to place us exactly where he wants us. But hear me in this. God's decrees involve our decisions. Sometimes we think like, we're just led blindly. We have no say in the matter. And we just like are being controlled. No, God's decrees, they operate through our decisions. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to control you. But here's what I've found is that when we spend time with God, while it may be unconscious, we, all, we also know that he's leading and we're gonna be submitted to his leading in our life. We may not know why he has us where he does, but we trust why he has us where he does. I don't know why I'm here, but I trust you, God, as to there's a reason why I'm here. So first is decree. Number two today, the second way the wonderful counselor leads the way is through direction. Everybody say direction. So what's our direction? How do we have direction in our lives? Guess what? It's right here. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. God's word. The Bible is our direction. It's how to live. It's how to serve. It teaches us how to love. It speaks on all the major areas of our lives, doesn't it? Our marital life, um, our work life, our, our church life. It talks about our mental life, our physical life, our spiritual life. I mean, this thing is incredible. And so whenever I hear people say the Bible is boring, I tell them, you're reading it wrong. Have you ever read the Bible? Man, it's scandalous. There's nothing boring about this thing. You got to get it. You're reading it wrong if it's boring to you. If it's boring, you are absolutely not looking at the way God has called you to look at it. This is how we find direction. And so I would challenge you. I want to ask you, are you in your word? Are you in the word of God? Are you studying on your own? This isn't enough Sunday mornings. I know I dropped like 20 things. This is not enough. It's great that you're here. This is incredible that you came on a Sunday morning. You set out time to be with God, to learn from God, to hear from God, to learn from the word. But this is not enough. If you eat one meal a day, you would go hungry. You would be starving. Or one meal a week, you'd you'd be starving. You need to get in this throughout your day, throughout your week. What's amazing is we have these things now. You seen these? Cell phones, smartphones. I mean, you can access it anytime. I have a reminder on my phone because I have this Bible uh, app and I have a Bible reading plan and it reminds me every day to read the, the word of God. It says, Caleb, read the word of God. Even has, um, it tells you when you've been reading for like five days straight, seven days straight. Some of you are like me, the, your achievers, your type A personalities. It's so like, oh my goodness, look at this. I've got this up to 22 days in a row. I got to keep it going. I got my streak going. It's amazing. We live in a day and age where we have no excuses. We can do it anytime. Be in God's word anytime. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, the word of God illuminates. It shows us where to go. This idea of a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, I want you to, to hear this because in their day, in their context, like they didn't have lights, they didn't have electricity like we do today. And so when they would be out and walking, I mean, it was dark. Y'all ever been in like the dark, the dark, dark, like out in the woods when it's, you can't see nothing, um, you can't see anything and you're walking and that lamp or that flashlight, it illuminates the path before you. You can't always see a hundred feet ahead of you, but you can at least see a few steps ahead of you. And I would say that God's word does that for our life. We may not always see uh, what's around the turn. We may not always see all that God has in store for us in the next year or two years or five years or even month, but we can see the path right in front of us and where God is leading us right now. That's why we need to be in the word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. My boys, uh, they love playing with trains. I don't know if you have kids that like trains, but uh, we were a big Thomas the Train family for a long time. 
Uh, now they're growing up a little bit, so they're not as into it. But we still have tracks and we have trains. And um, recently, the boys wanted me to, to make this big track with them in our house. And so our whole downstairs turned into Thomas the Train Central, man. It was Grand Central Station, and we were building tracks. But what's crazy is they want me to build with them. But they don't want me to build for them, do they? Like, they want me to build with them, but they want me to build for them. They, they want to do it on their own. But there's times, and so I, I was trying to connect the tracks all the way back together. So we had a loop, and we had a few, like, offshoots, and, but we wanted a loop, so it came back together. And so I started telling the boys, I was like, hey, boys, we got to start turning it. Like, if we don't start turning these tracks and going in this direction, it's not going to connect. And they got a little stubborn like boys do. And they're like, no, dad, we want to go this way. And I was like, okay, but if you go that way, the tracks aren't going to connect. You're not going to have the loop. And I know you want to do the loop. So I really think we should go this way. Well, finally, they fought me for a while. So I said, okay, fine. You go that way. So they began to go that way. And then all of a sudden they ran out of tracks and they realized the loop didn't connect. They said, dad, why didn't you help us? Dad, why didn't you tell us? Dad, we wanted the loop to connect it, and you let us out here. And I think this is a lot like God. Like he's given us direction. He speaks to our lives. And yet so often we're arguing with him or debating with him. We're saying, no, God, I think I should go. I think it'd be a lot more fun if I go this direction. He's saying, look, if you don't go this way, the tracks aren't going to connect. And we want to fight him over. And so finally God will say, okay, fine. Why? Because he doesn't control us. He's given us an incredible amount of free will, an incredible amount of of decision-making. And so he lets us go, and sometimes we get to the end of our track and we realize we're now off track. And that's why we got to come back to this. And so the boys said to me, okay, Dad, can we start over? Or can we remove some tracks? So we went back halfway through and we began to turn the tracks and we connected them. That's what God wants for your life. He's a loving father, but sometimes a loving father lets you make your own decisions that may lead you down a path that ends up somewhere you don't want to be. But there's a way we can avoid that and it's right here. It's by listening to him. It's by following him. Keep moving forward. I think a lot of us are, are, are stuck in the past. I don't know about you, but I meet a lot of people that are stuck in the past. You know, we, we, we're stuck in what could have been. We're stuck in what might have happened. And I just want to, I felt like I was supposed to say this to somebody today, that you've been stuck in the past for far too long, and God wanted to say to you today, it's time to move forward into the future and the purpose that God has for you. Don't allow the past to dictate your future any longer. You see, God is a God of direction. He's the God of leading, but it's hard for him to take you to new places and new things and new purposes if you're always holding on to what was or what could have been or what should have been or how things used to be or the good old days. We got caught up in the good old days. I mean, I'm I'm nostalgic, y'all, okay? Like, I'm not a young man anymore. I don't know if you can see the gray in my beard, Um, but, but I've gotten older. And I get a little nostalgic at times, and I know you all are with me, um, whether you're my age or older, but that nostalgia, and there's times I, I, I long for the good old days. But I found that God says to me, look, the good old days were good, but I got greater things ahead for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. I believe, and I declare it over my church all the time, that the best is still yet to come. That God is not done with you. Man, if he could use Moses at 80 years old, God is not done with you. If he could use Abraham at 90 years old, God is not done with you. He still has great things in store for you. He wants to use you. Third today, the third way the wonderful counselor leads the way, we got to let him lead, is discernment. Everybody say discernment. You know, most of the decisions we make are not spelled out specifically in the Bible. I, I, I think that's true. It's not like everything is specifically spelled out like, yes, you should park in that parking spot in the Bible. Or you should buy that toy for your kid at Christmas this year. It's not laid out in the Bible that way. But discernment is actually probably what we use the most in our lives. Discernment is how we follow God's leading through the process a spiritual, spiritually sensitive application of the word and his voice in our lives 
to make the decisions that he wants us to make. So we're being spiritually sensitive and spiritually led by the Bible, the scriptures, and his voice in our lives to go where he wants us to go. That's discernment. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, if we're going to be led, if we're going to use discernment, we have to renew our minds every single day. We have to wake up in the morning and say, God, help me to think the way you think. God, give me a mind and a spirit the way you want me to have a mind and a spirit. God, change the way I process because as human beings, we process wrong. As human beings, we often give in to our flesh. But when we are daily renewing our minds, renewing our hearts, when we're daily being led by God, he will show us what his will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The number one question I get from people is, how do I hear or how do I know the will of God? As a pastor, that's what people say to me all the time. How do I know the will of God? How do I hear the will of God? And one thing I say to my church all the time is this. I say, the will of God, as I see it, and doing the will of God is this. Simply do the next right thing. That's what I tell them all the time. You want to know the will of God. You want to do the will of God. Simply do the next right thing. And I know that sounds elementary and simple, and yet it's so difficult because our flesh and our natural proclivity is not to do the next right thing. It's actually to do what feels good in the moment. And what feels good in the moment is what can actually lead to the destruction in the long term. In fact, people uh, will say this, and you probably heard this. People will say, just do whatever makes you feel happy. And I follow um, one of my buddies on Instagram, and he posted a, a screenshot of this the other day. Do whatever makes you feel happy. He posted it, and that same morning I told him, that is the dumbest advice you could ever give anyone. If you just do whatever makes you feel happy, and people have lived that way for so long, it will actually destroy your life. Because what makes you feel happy in a moment is not always what's best for you in your purpose or in the long term or in your life. We can't be a people that simply do what makes us feel happy in the moment. No, we have to use discernment. I don't always feel like waking up early and reading my Bible. You know what makes me feel happy? Staying in bed, (laughs) staying under the covers, right? Sleeping in. You know what makes me feel happy sometimes? Not going to work. Watching Netflix all day long, that makes me feel happy. It really does. But guess what? Is that the best for my life? Is that the best for my family? Is that the best for my future? And am I going to feel fulfilled in that? I may feel good in a moment, but will I feel fulfilled in the long term? Absolutely not. That's why we need discernment. We have to discern what the word of God tells us. So going back to Isaiah, I'm going to go back to chapter 8. So Isaiah is talking and uh, God is talking to him and he's speaking to the Israelites and he says this in verse number 19. He says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not as- does not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. I love this because what Isaiah is saying here, he says, listen, who are you listening to? What instruction are you taking? Are you taking the instruction of this world? And he's saying like spiritists and mediums, because in this day they were going to those kind of people. And I know like most of you in here, hopefully you're not doing that. You're not going to Palm Readers here in Tulsa. I don't know if they have those, but we have them in downtown Sacramento all over the place. You're not going there, but you may be going to that friend who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't love Jesus. Say, what do you think I should do in this situation? Is that instruction you should be listening to? Probably not. We need to look for the instruction of God. That is how we find our discernment. You know, comparison is a trap that is destroying many people inside and outside the church. I see it all the time. And what we do is we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. Because we live in a culture of social media. And so social media is running rampant and we see people's lives and it looks like they got it all together. It looks like they have the, I mean, did you see that picture of my family? Like, look at that. We are like a perfect family. 
That's all people see. They don't see on Friday you know, afternoon or Tuesday afternoon when I was chewing my kids out um, for, for breaking my flat screen TV, which happened last year. They don't see that when they took a golf club to my 50-inch flat screen and broke it. They don't see that because I'm not posting about that. I'm posting this perfect picture of what a, my family is. So, man, we compare ourselves so much, and it's destroying so many people because we're comparing our behind the scenes with their highlight reels. We got to use discernment, church. We got to use discernment to say, God, what are you calling me to do? I can't worry about what everyone else looks like, what they're doing, what their vacation. They, they had that perfect vacation. I haven't had a vacation in years. No, what is God and how is God calling you right now? Let him lead your life. Let him lead your future. And I'm going to close right now if the keys would come back. The fourth way the wonderful counselor leads the way is through declaration. Everybody say declaration. You know, I, I would say that this may be the rarest of the four. So when I say declaration, what I mean by this is it's where God simply declares something over our lives, either through someone else or through his voice. It's so obvious that you can either obey or disobey. So I don't know if you've ever had God like declare something over your life through someone or maybe through his voice and maybe it's a still small voice or maybe it's an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I hear that still small voice of God all the time. Had people speak over my life many times. This declaration. So for example, Acts 8.26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So what is Philip going to do? The angel spoke to him. He's either going to rise and go south or he's not going to. It's a declaration. In that same story, in Acts 8.29, the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip can either go or not go. See, God declares things over our life, and in that declaration, we have a choice. Are we going to let him lead us? Are we going to listen? Are we going to obey? Are we going to disobey? Here's what I would say to you. I'd encourage you with today, that you would allow Jesus to lead your way. The wonderful counselor to lead your way. He wants to declare things over your life. He wants to declare direction over your life. He wants to decree direction over your life. He wants to give you discernment for direction over your life. Are you letting him lead your way? I think if we were honest in this place, and if I was honest to you, I would have to say there are many times when I don't allow the wonderful counselor. I mean, just think about that. He's wonderful. He wants to lead us. He wants the best for us. He wants to lead our lives to greater things. He wants to lead us to greater purposes. And yet often I don't allow him to lead. Why? Because I want to lead. Because I want control. Because sometimes I let the other voices in my life have more influence over the voice of God in my life. Because sometimes I'm so busy that I only hear the noise of this world and I'm not attuned to the voice of my God. How many of us are dealing with busyness and we're so busy? I mean, this time of year, it's like something every night of the week, Christmas parties, church events, it's always something going on, family, sports, something going on in our life. We're so busy, we're so distracted, we've lost the to be, what it means to be attuned to the voice of God. So he declares things over us and often it's in a whisper, but we can't hear it because all the other noise in our life is too loud. You know, my, my kids, I do something to them. I, I, I do this to them occasionally and I'll, I'll start talking to them and I'll, I'll start whispering. And I'll whisper to them and they'll be like where Chris is and I just start whispering. Dad, I can't hear you. And I'll just keep whispering. So what do they do? What do you think they do? Chrissy. So when I, when I whisper, Chrissy. What do they do? What do they do? Come on. They come closer. And I keep whispering like, Dad, Dad, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So then they come closer. And I, I keep whispering. I keep whispering. And then they come closer.
closer. I, I love my wife. I just want to be close to her. I've never had this opportunity in a sermon. And then I keep whispering. And then eventually, where do they go? God of the universe often speaks in a whisper, not because he doesn't want you to hear him, because he wants you to be intimately close to him. And then often when my, when my kids get close to me, I'll just grab them, I'll, scree- I'll squeeze them and yell at them, right? I love you. Wrap them up. See, God often speaks in that still, small voice, and sometimes we wonder, we say, God, why can't I hear you? God, why don't I hear your voice? God, I don't know how to follow you because I can't hear you anymore. He's saying, you got to stop and you got to listen. Are you close enough to me to hear the whisper of my voice? Are we allowing Jesus, the wonderful counselor, to lead the way? I know I'm messing up your video right now. I'm sorry. So, two months ago, two months ago, I'm going to close with this. Two months ago. I had an opportunity to go to South Carolina. It was a fundraiser golf tournament. One of my buddies invited me. I love golf. And uh, one of my buddies invited me and said, hey, you want to go with me to this, to this golf tournament? It's going to be amazing. And um, it's a fundraiser. We're going to have a lot of fun. I was like, yeah, cool, man. Let's go. Let's do this. So I went. And it, I thought I'd be staying with him. But then we got there. And they're like, oh, we have you in separate rooms. It's like this really ritzy place. There's only like 50 rooms in the whole hotel. It's right on the golf course. And so they actually take you into like a private room to check you in. Private room. So I get taken to this private room and there's one young woman in this room with me, like going through the process of checking me in to the hotel. And she's like talking to me and she's being a little flirtatious and I'm just trying to, you know, play it cool and low key. And I didn't have a beard at the time, so I looked younger, y'all, okay? And, uh, and I'm, I'm just being friendly. And then she finishes checking me in and she says to me, she says, so what are you doing tonight? And there was nothing going on for the event yet because the tournament didn't start till the next day. And I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not doing anything, just kind of hanging out, you know, relaxing. The, the, uh, the tournament doesn't start till tomorrow. She knew we were there for the tournament. She says, oh, man, maybe we could hang out. And she says this, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I didn't know how to respond. So initially, I just said, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what my buddy's doing. And um, She's like, well, we could either hang out in a group or we could hang out alone if you want. And I got to be honest with you, and I, I told my wife this ahead of time, so she knows I, I'm gonna, what I'm going to say right now. This whisper in my head said this, no one would ever know. I heard this voice in my head. I mean, I'm in South Carolina. I'm from California. And this whisper in my head speaks to me and says, no one would ever know. Nobody has to know. Nobody. And this whisper, I mean, it was, I I would say it wasn't even like a a, a calm whisper. It was like an authoritative whisper. And in this moment, like, I started to process this. And I thought, like, man, I've had victory in all these areas of my life. And I have victory. I'm faithful to my wife and all, and all these things. And yet this whisper was there. But let me tell you, there was a louder voice in this moment. And this louder voice, voice said this, I have a call on your life. I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan for your life. And this this other whisper got louder and louder and it began to drown out that other quick whisper in that moment and it began to say to me, I've called you to be a husband and I've called you to be a pastor and I've called you to be a father and I have a greater purpose and plan for your life than a moment, than a moment. And it overwhelmed that other voice. And I immediately said to her, you know what? I appreciate that, but I'm not interested. I'm going to just, you know, hang out by myself time, maybe hang out with my buddy. But you have a great night. I grabbed myself. I ran out the door. I was like, Joseph, y'all. Just bounce. I just left my coat. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But let me tell you something. The enemy, the Bible says, came to do what? He came to steal. He came to kill. And he came to destroy. You know what he wants to steal? He wants to steal your joy. You know what he wants to kill? He wants to kill 
your purpose. He wants to kill your purpose. He wants to destroy your future. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your joy, kill your purpose, and destroy your future. That's what he wants to do. And he is out there seeking who he may devour. And let me tell you, the voice is going to come. The voice is going to come. And sometimes it's your own flesh, and sometimes it's the enemy trying to distract you and deter you and destroy you and steal from you and kill you. But regardless, when Jesus... The wonderful counselor is the one that you have decided he will decree my life. He will lead my life. He is the voice I will listen to. He is the one that I will be submissive to. He is the one that I will be sensitive to. Then whenever those other voices try to come in and steal and kill and destroy you, that voice gets so loud and so strong that you have no choice but to follow the right path and the right purpose. You see, the wonderful counselor, he wants to lead you to greater things. He wants to lead you to better things. He wants to lead you to a greater place, to a greater future, to a greater purpose. That is the voice. He is the one, the wonderful counselor that must be leading our way. Every single day, make yourself attuned to his voice. Because the enemy, he's out there. Your own flesh is weak at moments. But when you have decided and said, I will live a life that is led by the wonderful counselor. I will live a life that is led by the Jesus that I serve. Then when those other voices come, they get drowned out by the voice of the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? The band's going to come right now. We're going to sing a final song before we go. say to you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond real quick. I know I've gone long. Sorry, Chris. If you're in this place, you don't know Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did at one time where you say, Caleb, I got to be honest. I've turned my back. I've walked away from God. I've become attuned to the enemy, to the wrong things. I've listened to the voices of this world, to what this culture tells me I should do and how I should live, what I should be. And today you say, I need to recommit myself anew and afresh to Jesus Christ. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ for the first time. I want you to raise your hand right now. Go, put it up. Nobody's looking around. It's between you and God. Anybody in this place, that's you. Right. If you're in this place right now and you would say, Caleb, I will decide today to be led by the wonderful counselor, by Jesus. I want him to lead my life. I want him to lead my path. I want him to lead my steps. I want him to lead my purpose. I want him to lead everywhere that I go. If that's you, and you say, I will not be led by my flesh, by what the world says, but I will be led by Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Would you put your hands up right now if that's you? Say, I will be led by the wonderful council. Let's stand to our feet all across this place and let's sing this song before we go. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.